Welcome to the Abide Podcast. In today's episode, we will be discussing the idea of a dualistic nature, the importance of knowing our true identities, the context behind Paul's struggle with sin in Romans 7, and whether or not it is truly possible for believers to live victorious lives free from the power of sin. I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal truth as we dive deeper into what it means to be a new creation in Christ. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the Abide <laughs> Podcast. I'm um, your host, Cody Young, along with Alyssa Short, calling in from West Palm Beach, um, currently in Tampa. So we're going to make this work. She's on the phone. And today, we just want to talk about something that's kind of been brought to our attention. Uh, scrolling through social media and looking at some of the mindsets in the church, um, I think there's a lot of confusion around, but that is the idea of Christians having a dual nature. So almost this idea that on one hand we are sanctified, we are righteous, um, born again, but that we still carry this sinful nature in our flesh and that we're constantly battling with it um, and that we kind of live with sin the rest of our lives and that the Christian life is just one of trying to manage sin. Um, And I think that this is a very widespread uh, belief and maybe idea in the church and we just want to address that today. Um, so Alyssa, what do you think about that? Yeah. So when you originally, you know, texted me about that, you had seen, um, just, you know, a few or or specific, you know, social media posts about, about this and just seeing Christians, um, one moment identifying as free from sin and giving glory to the cross and the next minute identifying as bound to sin. And, and so the question kind of comes up of, well, which one is it? Are we free from sin or are we still bound to sin? Right. Um, yeah. Is there truly freedom in the Christian walk to live righteously or are we living a life of what you just said, managing sin? Right. So what is it? Are we free? Yeah. Are there jobs to be free or is our job to manage it right. um, to the best of our abilities? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it brings up the question, too, of there's so much scripture to back up that we've been made free from sin. And there's um, so much out of context scripture used um, to argue that, that we were going to battle with sin until we get our glorified bodies one day. Right. Um, and I just want to go over that and talk about the freedom available now um, that comes from knowing who we really are, because this really isn't a conversation, I don't think, about sin. Um, it's a conversation about our identity. Who are we? Because we can't identify, like you use the word of the phrase dual nature. We can't identify as two things. It's either we are born with the seed of Adam and we have um, the seed of sin living in us, or we have the seed of Jesus Christ. Um, Either a new nature or an old nature, and it can't be living inside. They're not dual competing against each other. It's one or the other. So let's talk about just like, what is it? Which one? (laughs) Which, what's going on here? Are we, are we saved from sin, or are we sinners saved saved by grace? Um, which one is it? Right, right. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we can look at is how did this idea kind of start in the church, and where um, where are people getting the scripture for this, this idea of the dualistic nature? Um, yeah. Particularly, I, I think that um, there... I think it kind of comes from Romans 7, um, and I've seen this quoted before, um, almost as a way to justify our battle with sin or maybe our losing battle with sin, just people um, kind of reading through the Bible and seeing this and and relating to Paul's struggle with sin and almost bringing comfort to 
um, their situation and, oh, look, you know, Paul, um, Paul wants to do what's right, but he, but he can't. And the things that he, he doesn't want to do, he does. And, you know, and that, that's Paul the apostle. And it's like, wow, like, you know, that just justifies my, my problem, my struggle, because I'm seeing this from Paul. Um, and, and in Romans 7, it says that, I'll read the scripture, it says that, For nothing uh, good dwells in me, that is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Um, right. Now, I think that it's really interesting that when people take that verse, it's, it's really just taking that verse out of the context of what, Paul is talking about in Romans because yeah. if you go back to, you know, if you read even from four, he's talking about being justified by faith. And, and really, like, to me, the whole um, theme of Romans is talking about kind of the new life um, versus the old life, the new life of Christ versus Adam, the old life, the old sin life, and then talking about um, the difference between the covenants, the new covenant being the covenant of grace and the old covenant being the covenant and the law, and um, yeah. and when in Romans seven, um, he's really talking about his experience of what life was like when he was living under the law, when he was a Jew um, trying to do his best to obey the commandments. You know, his heart was for God, and he wanted to do what was right. But as we know, um, it is impossible to live out the the requirements of the law code and that is why that is why Jesus came and that's why he says thanks be to God you know that he set me free from this way of life um, from trying to um, be perfect from trying to uh, live up to this law code um, so I think that if we go back and read you know in context from Romans 4 5 and 6 you would see that um, and we're going to expand on that but that Paul really is talking about a specific incidence in Romans seven um, that he used to deal with, but it's not any you know it's not any longer his reality. Yeah, and actually, um, even I like that you said a lot of people find comfort in that verse, almost of like, oh, this is why um, I'm still sinning and doing the things I don't want to do, like because. Paul even did. So, like, you kind of have this, like, sigh of relief of, like, oh, like, Paul did the things he didn't want to do either. He was also frustrated. Right. Um, but that's completely, like you said, out of context. And just a little reminder for everybody listening that the chapters, the numbers that we see organized in our in our Bible today were not there when Paul wrote this letter. He did not write now, chapter 7. Yeah. Um, just writing and one that, letter really it was a fluid thing. That really messes people up, I think. Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. And so I remember when I first, I mean, I think I kind of knew that, but um, when I first started um, refusing to have that mentality of allowing myself to just pick things out of things that are letters. I mean, it's a letter, so I just now read the whole letter. Um, and, you know, and I can go back after doing that and reading it as a full letter and can go back and, and see certain parts and really focus in on them. Um, that's totally fine to do, but I think we have to look at it, like you said, like the context of the whole letter, and if you start at um, chapter 4, he's talking about being justified, which is uh, the easiest way to remember is it, it's like a, a mandate in the court of heaven. It's a proclamation over you that you have been made right before God, 
just as if you never sinned and just as if you never sinned again is how God views you. So he starts off talking about justification, and then we have chapter 7 um, where he starts to talk about life under the law, and that's where we find that verse, the oh, I'm a mystery to myself. I, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Right. Um, and he's talking about what it was like living life under the law. And if you look at those words, eyes, and do work study on them, he's not talking about his personal experience. He's actually referring back to and identifying with the people of Israel, his heritage, when they were living under the law, what it was like. Wow, it's yeah. the struggle. That's it's the struggle of what I want to do, I don't do, because the law literally entices you to sin. Right, yeah. And Paul says that. And so this is what he's, he's just giving an example of what it's like to live under the law enticed by sin. When someone tells you not to do something, our human instinct is to do it. And that's what he's talking about here because he's contrasting living life this way where you want to do right and you just can't seem to do it. And, and, and in Romans 6, the chapter before, where it's all about grace triumph over sin, sin's reign is over. Um, he, he, he goes into that such beautiful detail in chapter 6. And I think I don't ever hear anybody talk about, really, chapter 6. We so focus on, on chapter 7 because we identify with that. Yeah. And what we need to do is see a church rise up that identifies with chapter 6 because that's talking about the cross. Exactly. And chapter 7 is talking about life under the law. Exactly. And let's, let's look at some, some of uh, what Paul says in chapter 6. He actually opens up um, Romans 6 by saying, how can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory and power of the Father, we may too walk habitually in newness of life. Then he says, uh, in verse 6 through 7, he says, We know that our old self, which is our human nature without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. And he says that, uh, and he also says in, in that same chapter that um, slave will have no dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you are actually under grace. So, I mean, this is so clear in, in, in Romans 6. I mean, he's saying that, he's saying that if you are struggling with sin, then it's probably because you don't understand that you've actually died with Christ. Like your old sin nature, he says, our sin nature with before the Holy Spirit was nailed. Our, our Adam self, who we were because of the fall of man, um, was actually nailed on the cross with Christ. Christ actually became our sin, our sinful self. We died with him, and then when we believed in him, we were actually given his resurrected life living within us. So we have a completely new nature, um, and, and that's just amazing. And, and that's Romans 6. So right before Paul's talking about his struggle, he's talking about how we are dead to sin, that um, we don't continue to live in it any longer because we have died to it. We, it doesn't reign in our body. We have a new nature. Uh, we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. So it's just so clear in that um, just who we are in that new identity as, um, you know, one with Christ. Yeah, and I think that it's so interesting how quick we are to, like I said at the beginning, it doesn't really talk about 
sin and and uh, righteousness or grace and laws. Has to talk about where we put our identity, right? And, and we have such a choice in that. So the whole religion of Christianity hinges on a phrase that we say over and over again: "Born again," right? Right. Have you been born again? And we all know you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Why does Jesus use this phrase, born again? Right. It's not, it, it's not just a symbol. Um, this is something that actually happens. So the reason why Jesus used the phrase, born again, is because he knew the first time we're born, we're born with the seed. And we refer to this all the time as our sin nature, right? We're just born into sin. These are phrases we say all the time, and most Christianity agrees on. We're born into sin. Okay, so we know that that's true. So there's this natural birth from your mother. You're born into sin, and you have the seed of Adam. This is what causes you to sin without thinking. A little precious baby is a sinner um, because of the seed that's in them. And this is why Jesus says you must be born again because the first time you were born with the seed of sin, the seed of Adam, but the second time when you put your belief in Jesus Christ, you've been born a second time now with his seed. And his seed is not a fallen nature. His seed is a perfect, holy, righteous nature. And so... This is the issue. We've, we, we've become a body focused on this phrase, you must be born again, but we aren't identifying with that. We're saying we're born again and identifying with the first time we were born. Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I think we need to start asking ourselves this question. First of all, where's that phrase in the Bible? Second of all, are we going to identify as sinners saved by grace? Or are we going to identify as being born again, having the old passed away, the new has come, and now I'm the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So which one are you is really the question. Are you a sinner saved by grace? Or are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Has a change taken place in the supernatural realm? Um, and for everybody who has believed and, and been born again, that's your reality. But here's the issue. We must choose where we put our mindset and where we identify. Because if we're if we're born again but identifying as still a slave to sin, we're going to see sin rampant in our lives, and it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah, and as a man believes in his heart, so is he. So our belief really just determines the way that we're going to live our life and the way that we see ourselves really determines you know, the way that we act. And so it's like if you just believe that you are a sinner and that's, that's your nature and you're just always going to sin, well, you know, good luck with with uh, trying to, you know, live the way that you feel like God is, is, is calling you to live, but that's just you living under the law. Um, and so that's, that's the key. Which is exactly what Romans 7 is about. Right, exactly. And so um, I think the, the main thing is, like, there's this idea almost like God, it's... It's like Jesus incorporated. It's like we we are sinners and we incorporate Jesus and you know he helps us to be a better person, but that's just not the gospel. That's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross and the and the good news is that he didn't come to make you a better person. He came to kill your old nature. He put it on the cross and killed it. Um, and he gave you a new nature. He didn't come, yeah, like he didn't make you a better person. He made you a new person with new desires. So um, it's important that we consider ourselves, like he says in the Bible, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. The key word is consider. We have to, it's a, it's a change of mindset. We have to think, um, you know, when, and, and just a testimony for myself, like the, this has helped me so much. Like the more that I recognize that I'm a new creation, like, 
the desires that I used to have to sin, like I, I don't really have anymore because every time that something pops up, I, I say to myself, no, I am dead to sin. I'm alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him. That is not my nature. And the more that I change my thinking and the more that I understand who I am in Christ and my new nature, the less power that those lies and the less power that, that sin has over me because I'm not under the law. I'm, I'm under grace and I'm, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, in 1 John 3, 9... And that's, that's the Christian life, man. Like that, We are to walk victorious. And Jesus didn't die um, to expose sin. He, he died to remove sin. He doesn't want us to be sin conscious. He, put, he took on sin on the cross and died so that we could live in the freedom that he provided. Um, in 1 John 3, 9, it says that no one born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God nature, God's nature abides in him. And he cannot he cannot practice sinning because he is born of God. That's First John three nine. That if you want any more you know proof of, of this idea, John's talking about that. If you're born of God, if you are born again, um, then then it's impossible for you to continue to to desire sin to keep living in sin because you have a new nature. You you don't have that old Adam self. You've you're you're completely new, and that's why he says, uh, behold, all things are made new. So I, I just think it's just that 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 understanding of, like you said, our identity. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think, too, that um, you brought up the, the sin consciousness is so important. I remember when I used to um, teach youth group, I would talk about this, and, you know, it was just so cool to see these light bulbs go off um, about these phrases of, um, you're either sin conscious, so aware of your sin, or you are righteousness conscious, so aware of the work that Jesus has done on the cross and the impact it's had on your life. Right. And so the enemy wants us to be aware of our sin. He wants our mindset, our eyes to be on our sin so that we are so consumed with it, so that it rules our lives and we spend our lives managing our sin, trying to be better. Because... If we're so consumed with managing our behavior, we are going to miss out on transforming this world. Right. Um, exactly. About about realizing the kingdom is of God is here now, and we're not going to take hold of the things God has for our lives because we will never be worthy of our destinies. Yeah. Um, so it's such a plan of the enemy. We have to realize that and call it out for what it is. Because if there is a church that is righteousness conscious, that knows who they are in Christ, that says. Um, we're, and we're not saying we're perfect and never, you know, think a bad thought anymore. But it's where's your identity? Is your identity in that, that that's still who you are? Or has something happened? Have you been forever changed? And do you now have righteousness on your mind that you are so aware of that identity? And so I would ask the youth group kids, I would say, and this may be a silly example, but I would say, you know, let's say that you are, you know, a kleptomaniac and you steal all the time and there's this. 7-Eleven on the corner, and every day after school you go with your friends, and you just steal candy bars. You love it. It's your thing. You wish you didn't, but you do. And all of a sudden, you start hearing um, about the Lord, and, and you get saved, and, and you think, I, I don't want to do these things anymore, and so I, I, I want to please Jesus. And so you try really hard not to steal candy bars anymore, but no matter how hard you try, you keep doing it. And so then you start feeling ashamed and unworthy of even going to church anymore, and just thinking, I'm really bad at this. I keep doing the bad things. Right. Um, but then you start to hear a different message, and you start to hear about you're so righteous. And, and, and the thing that God did on the cross for you is give you Jesus' righteousness. And so 
you start hearing this, and week after week after week, you're hearing about what was done on the cross and what it means for you, and your identity starts to change, and you start to think about how righteous you are. And then before you know it, you're at you're at Seven Eleven again after school, and there's a brand new candy bar display, and it is just beautiful, and it is packed with all kinds of delicious sweets. And you look over at it, and for the first time in your life, you think, "Yuck!" Like. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm too righteous for that. Why would I Why would I do that thing? Mm-hmm. I'm so righteous. Like, that is not even appealing to me anymore. Right. And that right there is the power of God over sin. Right. That right there is the triumph. And we can choose, that's a silly example, but we can choose to live in that all day long. Of sin loses its attractiveness when you know who you are. And so it's not, oh, I'm saved and now I'm trying not to sin anymore. It's, oh, I'm saved, and sin is not attractive to me anymore because I know how righteous I am. And we as a church are failing this generation because if our message is, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're saved by grace, thank God, but you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, they are going to continue to sin. Like you said, whoever a man believes he is in his heart, so is he. And so if our message is, don't ever think too highly of yourself. Don't forget, you're just a sinner, just like the world. You're just like the world. Well, you know what? We're raising up a church that's going to act and look just like the world. Right. And if that hasn't already been done, it probably has. I mean, that's probably one of the major issues we have in the church today is trying to be like the world and say, hey, we're just like you guys. We can we can hang out. Come on in. Um, and we shouldn't be at all. We should be having this righteousness-focused view of, we're so righteous, and not in a self-righteous way, but because of what Jesus has done, I am now the righteousness of God, and I don't want to do those things anymore, because I believe in my heart I have been made new, right. and I'm going to, therefore, act new, as a man believes in his heart, yeah. so is he. So let's talk about um, people that that don't desire sin, but they continue to live, almost like, you know, what, the people that are identifying. I think people that are struggling, I think the, the fact that there is a struggle is, in a way, a sign that your heart has been changed. Um, because, you know, when you were in the world and you were just a sinner, um, you would sin and not feel any consciousness of it. You wouldn't feel guilt about it. I think the fact that people are struggling, in a way, is a good sign because it shows that, um, you know, they don't really desire it. They know it's not right. They don't want to do it, but yet they don't have the power to overcome it. And and I think the good news is that if you find yourself in that position today where you're bothered by sin and you wish that you could, you know, live righteously, um, it's as simple as changing your belief about who you are. And I think that's what we and Melissa are saying is that um, you've been trying so hard to stop sinning and you've been doing it all in the self-effort. You, you have accountability groups and you have, you know, whatever, like website blockers, you have all this stuff and you're trying to manage your sin, and you're trying to not do this, you're trying not to do that, and and it doesn't work, and then you fall back into it, and then you feel guilty, and you're like, will this ever change? Uh, you think that God is mad at you, but it's just not the case. Like, He has already taken away that sin nature, and, and, and once you realize who you are, and you start changing your beliefs about, I am a son, I am righteous, um, I do not like, ha- I don't have this sin nature anymore, and the proof is that I don't desire it anymore, uh, the more that you believe that, the more that you remind yourself of those truths, the more that you're going to watch the power um, of God and just overcome that in your life. And, and He will get all the glory because it's nothing that you do. It's nothing that you're trying to do. It's just you submitting to the truth 
of God's word and who he says you are. Absolutely. So, so yeah, and, and I think a major part of that is the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, we can have the truth, but really the Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the one that brings these to life. He's the one that gives us these revelations of, of our identity. He's the one that empowers us to live the Christian life. Um, and those who walk by the Spirit are not under the, not under the law, you know, so... I would just you know invite you to start building that relationship with with Holy Spirit, um, to invite Him into your life. If you want to be empowered by Him, just start communing with Him. Ask Him to empower you. Um, this is something that changed my life when I started developing my relationship with the Holy Spirit. When I started talking to Him and started communing with Him and asking Him to reveal truth to me, um, asking Him to to fill me and to and to empower me. That 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 is what really changed my life from going from a defeated. Um, Christian walking in the flesh, trying to do it in my own strength, to a victorious son um, who relies upon the Holy Spirit and the truth of God. So I, th- I would just say that. Um, yeah, that's something that that's really... totally. It's totally key. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us who we are. Um, Jesus said, "Don't fear that I'm leaving the disciples. He said, it's better that I go. I'm going to send somebody else who's going to help you and comfort you and remind you of all the things that I have told you and done." Um, so his job is to teach us about what Jesus did. And so um, we don't have to look at him as somebody who's always going to come and point out our sin. This is an entirely wrong view of the third person of God, of the Holy Spirit. He comes in those moments where we're either tempted or around a situation where we know we used to give in to sin and we don't have that desire anymore. He's not coming to say, oh, you're so bad. You're so guilty. Like, you shouldn't even be having that thought. What a bad Christian you are. Do better. That is not the voice voice of the the enemy. That's that's That's, condemnation. That is, that's, yeah. Exactly. And we need to be able to realize his voice and to hear his voice. You know, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Um, because they, they, they know him as a person. And so that's our responsibility as believers is to know God in us, Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, um, to have a personal relationship with him. And so we can't keep attributing the voice of the enemy to the Holy Spirit. He's not there to convict us and condemn us of our sin. He's there to remind us of our righteousness. And so what I used to think all growing up was that that little voice that was telling me, don't do that, you're, that's sinning, don't do that, you're a sinner, like, like that's bad, and this condemnation, I used to think that was the Holy Spirit. Right. Now I know his voice, and let me tell you, his voice is this, you're too righteous for that. You're too righteous for that. You've been crucified with Christ, and now your old flesh that used to like that's dead, and now you live in Jesus. Like, that is empowering. That is truth. That is reminding you what Jesus did, and that is what gives you the power Mm. to say no to sin. Right. And to say, and it's not even really saying no to sin. It's saying yes to your righteousness. And when you do that, yes to who you are in Jesus, yes to being crucified with him, yes to being risen to him, you're saying a thousand no's to everything else. So much more powerful than having the wrong belief that the Holy Spirit is there convicting you and condemning you um, of your sin. He's there to guide you in who you are in Christ. Um, And so I just want to say that so that we're listening with the right ears and recognizing his voice the right way. Um, Instead of this bad habit of contributing the enemy's voice to his. It's very, um, very evil, evil plan of the enemy, and it's very tricky. And we have to know his voice. Yeah, and I think a, a kind of a cheat code for that was, you know, uh, the the word talks about the enemy as the accuser of the brethren. 
Um, so his yeah. his main voice is accusation, um, pointing out your faults, your flaws. Um, what God does is he points out who you are, and he points out the good in you. So if you fail or, you know, if you fall into sin, God's voice is actually saying, like what Alyssa was saying, you are my son. Like, I am well pleased with you. That is not who you are. Um, you are not, you're not bound to sin. I have put a robe of righteousness on you. That is who you are. And he calls you up into who you are in Christ. That is the voice of God. And, and the voice of the enemy is, oh, you're never good enough. You can never please God. Um, look at your sin. Look at how bad you are. So anytime that you, that you hear that accusing voice that isn't calling you up to your identity in Christ and who you truly are, that's a dead giveaway that you're listening to the enemy. Um, yeah. And, and also the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, so if it's stealing any of your peace, your joy, um, you know, killing and destroying who you are, then that's, that's also the enemy. Um, so, you know, God came, Jesus came to give you life and life abundant. Um, so those, those are just some things that have helped me in, in kind of the deciphering between the two. Um, and like I said, as you just, you know, spend time with God, just talk to him like you would talk to a friend and just talk to him about things that are in your heart. And the more that you talk to him and the more that, you know, with anything, the more you spend time with a person, the more you're going to recognize their voice and, and recognize when they're speaking because you've spent time with them. And, and that's really the, the main thing. And I think um, we are so, you know, I think a lot of Christians are so about studying the word, almost like a textbook. Um, but it's really not about doing that. It's, it's we read the word to know the person of Jesus better. Like it's all about relationships. So, um, you know, I just, I would encourage people to, Really look at it like that, that you can talk to God whenever you want, and He wants to be a friend to you, um, to help you out. Absolutely, and he wants, to, he wants to make sure you know who you are. I mean, if we don't know who we are, our ministry, our family, like, it's going to suffer. Um, the reason Jesus did the healings, He did the miracles, He did the impact He had, um, is because He knew who he was. He knew who, who he came from. He knew who his father was. He knew um, his, his, his identity and, and the Holy Spirit's role in his life, the anointing he had. He was just so aware of his identity so as good. the Son of God. I mean, over and over again, the Pharisees would question, who do you think you are? Right. Healing people on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? And every time Jesus would talk about his father. Right. And sometimes they would be confused and be like, your father's a carpenter. And he's like, you don't even know my father. You claim to know his words and your heart is so far from him. Like, if you knew my father, you would accept me and you would love me. So we see this in him of like, he knew who his daddy was. Like, what if our first reaction when people asked who we were um, wasn't our job, wasn't our passion. It was who we are in Christ because we've been so convinced of it that that's who we are. Yeah. Um, the enemy comes to steal that from us. If he can steal your identity from you, man, he wins. Because as soon as you find out who you are, you're going to be unstoppable. You're going to be living a supernatural life. You're going to be having the faith that overcomes fear. You're going to be having the, the righteous activity that, that, that says yes to, to being crucified with Christ and no to sin because you know you've been made new. I mean, it sounds simple, but this is a complicated thing because as the church, we have fail to identify with our new nature and instead we've we've settled for this a little bit of both of mm -hmm. of yeah we're made new in christ and we sing songs about it 
and especially on Easter, we talk about it, but don't forget our life is full of sin. And that's something we live with every day. And everyone's like, absolutely. I can identify with that. And we have to start saying, no, no, I will not identify as that. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul's language in chapter, like, honestly, everybody listening, go and read Romans six, like read Romans six. He says so clearly, like, uh, uh, Romans 6, verse 7, he says, obviously, obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning, Mm -hmm. right? So if we're co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but now he lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be that same way with you. Since you're now joined with him, you must continually view yourself as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus. Like, and, and so he doesn't, and he say, obviously a dead person can't sin, so identify yeah. as that. I'm dead to sin, but right. alive in Christ. And I, and I think it's that consider yourself or identify yourself because it's like, for me, I lived by feelings for so long that I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm dead to sin. Well, I feel like um, sin has power, so therefore it must. But Paul's not saying, if you, feel like, if you feel like this, then just believe that. He's saying, deliberately consider yourself dead to sin. Even when you don't feel yeah, like you're dead to sin. Reckon yourself. Something to say. Reckon yourself. Right, right. Consider yourself, reckon yourself dead to sin. So even when you don't feel like it, you got, you consider that. And, and the more that you stand in that truth and you keep considering yourself dead to sin, but alive in Christ, the more victory you're going to experience. And just kind of going back to talk about um, identity with, with Jesus, like before he did any miracles, when he was baptized, he came out of the water and the, and the Holy Spirit was descending up, well, descended upon him in the the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so he started his ministry before he did anything. I think a lot of um, Christians think that we have to almost please the father by our works and, and by doing ministry. And then, you know, we'll, we he, we'll hear that well done from our father. And, you know, I'm pleased in you because you did this. Well, Jesus set the example for us that our starting point is, is that God is well pleased with us because Christ lives in us. And so that well pleased that the Father proclaimed over Jesus is the same well pleased that He proclaims over us before we do anything. And so, you know, and then yeah. when He was led into the desert, the the main attack of the enemy was on His identity. If you are the Son of God, you know, do this, turn these these rocks into bread. If you are the Son of God, so um, I think that and he, yeah. he's not like the devil's not like evolving. <laughs> right, he he's uses the, the same, same exact tactic, tactics on us today. The exact same. Yeah, and if that was his that was his plan for Jesus, literally God on this earth was to attack his identity. He knew if he could get Jesus to to release his identity of being of God, if he was attacking him, if you really are the son of God. And how often does he do that to us? If you really are a son, if you really are a daughter of God. If you're, if you're really God, a Christian, you know? you'd be doing this. Or if you're really a Christian, it's, it's that trying to work in order to prove your identity instead of allowing your works to flow from who you know you are, which is what Jesus did. Exactly. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, man, this has been so good. Um, uh, I did want to talk about one thing, too. Um, in First John, because some people might be saying, you know, well, doesn't it say... Uh, where is it? 
if um, if you claim to have in first John he, he talks John's talking about um, you know if you claim to be without sin then there's no truth in you uh, but if you confess your sins um, you know God, that that God is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness uh, you know and to forgive you and I think a lot of people that can be a stronghold uh, you know, because we think, okay, well, I sinned, um, but you know, if I if I don't confess my sin, then I'm not going to be forgiven, and you know, you know, how can I believe what you guys are saying? Because, um, you know, John is saying, well, if I, you know, if I don't admit that I have sin in my life, then the truth's not in me, and you know, um, then then I'm not forgiven, or I'm not really, you know, uh, on God's good side or whatever. But I think it's just like we were saying, it's. It's reading, really go through First John um, and read everything and, as a letter and, and read it in its context. And I think it will begin to show you what John is really saying. Um, because yeah. he, um, you know, he's talking um, from, from the context, from what, I, what I gather is that he's talking to people who don't yet believe. And he's talking about, we want your fellowship to be with us. And we want to, you know, he uses language like that, like he wants these people to have fellowship with them and walk in the light just as he is in the light. And so, um, and he's talking about believing upon Jesus and that Jesus, when you believe, will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and make you righteous. And, um, and he's talking to these unbelievers and saying that, you know, but if you don't see your need, if you don't admit that you are a sinner and you don't have, and if you don't admit that you are in need of a savior, then uh, there is no truth in you and you can't be a part of, you know, uh, exactly. fellowship, right? And and I think this is kind of proven by um, the fact that in First John 2, he follows that by saying, my little children. So now he's addressing, when he says my little children, he's exactly. addressing... There's an audience shift. Yeah. There's an audience shift from talking to unbelievers to talking now to believers. And he's saying, now yeah. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is a um, who who is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And so, um, you know, he's saying to Christians that, look, I'm writing to these writing these things so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, look, we have Jesus as the the one who they carried our sins before the Father, our advocate who is pleading on our behalf, and then he goes on to say in 1 John 3, 9 that, any, like I said before, anyone born of God does not continue to practice sin. So um, I don't think that John is saying for Christians that if there's no, that, that if you don't come to have sin in your life that you're a liar. I think what he's saying is there's two audiences. He's talking about people that don't know Jesus, and then when he addresses um, Christian believers, he's saying that, look, we're, we're born of God. Like, we have the new nature. Um, we don't have to walk in sin. We, we, you know, we don't desire sin. But if anyone does happen to fall, you know, fall into sin, we have Jesus, the righteous, um, that is that is pleading before the Father on our behalf, who has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and who is our advocate. Yeah. So, Absolutely, I hope that, yeah. that kind of clears that up, and and I encourage people to really read that for yourselves. You know, First John. Absolutely. I think it's so important that we um, start to question, like, these really well-known verses that have been ingrained in us. And, um, you know, praise God for all the ministries we had as kids growing up that, like, made us memorize Scripture and rewarded us for memorizing Scripture. But 
in so doing, in my experience anywhere, they would be just like, you know, just a random verse that we had to memorize for the week or, you know, um, in certain ministries, just some, some random verses um, by themselves on a piece of paper and we memorize those. Um, but as adults, we need to have the responsibility of finding out, well, what context is that verse in? Um, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me for all, from all unrighteousness. Is that applicable to me now as the righteousness of God? No, um, because it's for an unbeliever, like you said. So for an unbeliever, yeah, you have to you have to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of convicting you of your sin, because otherwise you're never going to see a need of a Savior. And if you have someone who's saying, I don't, I don't sin, I don't need God, John's saying, well, then that person has no truth in them. Um, but it's not saying if you think that if you're identifying as the righteousness of God that you have no truth in them right. um, at all. So we have to just we have to just kind of grow up a little bit, I think. Um, you know, I'm in my late 20s, you're in your early 20s, it's like, we need to to start questioning things in a good way, not questioning our belief in God, but questioning like, okay, like, this is the way I grew up, or these are the thoughts I have about God and about living the Christian life, and like, let's actually like, dive into this and see like, well, what's the context, like I would for any other book I was, I was reading, right. or um, what's yeah. the point of this book or, or letter that Paul's writing? Um, yeah. It's so important just to kind of to mature in that and, and, and to find out what's really going on. And even better, ask the Holy Spirit. Like you were saying, he's the best teacher. That's, so that's the um, ask him to yeah. teach you about that. And that's the key is really um, I don't ever want to read the Bible just to get intellectual knowledge. Because if you look at it, the Pharisees were very knowledgeable of the scriptures, but they had no relationship with, with the Father. They didn't understand him. And so uh, I don't want us to fall into the same trap where we memorize scripture and we are reading our our Bibles, but really not having understanding and and really not allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us because that's why he's really there. And the the Bible is a a spiritual book, like it's a living word, and it must be interpreted through the Spirit. Um, So I, I, I totally agree with you with the, you know, just relying on that and building a relationship with the Holy Spirit to really question these things and, you know, get understanding. Yeah, and we don't have to question this place like we're used to, um, of doubt. Um, right, right. Just be like, oh no, I'm wrecked now because, like, people are putting these podcasts out or making me questioning my faith. Um, it's not like that because of the Holy Spirit, because we have an advocate, because we have a helper, friend, and teacher. Have a conversation. So you have a question or you feel like, oh no, I never thought about this. Is my whole life a lie? Um, it's nothing to go into panic about. It's just a, a conversation to have with the Holy Spirit and say, oh, that's interesting. I heard this podcast today and it made me think about a lot of things. What do you think about that? And expect an answer. He's always talking. It's us that, that aren't always willing to participate um, in a conversation with him because we think he's some mysterious ghost or far off thing. And he's a person. He's the third person of God. Um, he wants a relationship with you. So I think Cody and I both, that that is our, our heart on this topic and every topic is not to um, convince anybody of anything, but to kind of open up the communication lines between you um, and your very best friend, the Holy Spirit, um, and encourage you guys to, to receive from him and to start start a journey of, of walking with him through these, these thoughts and questions and interesting concepts we have as we're, as we're going in our walks with the Lord. Um, yeah. And know that his job is to always point you to Jesus, who is grace and truth. Um, so you don't have to be worried about getting caught up in anything hype or movement. It's, he will point you always to truth. Yeah, and I think the key, what, what you just said is um, we don't want you to take our word for it. We want you, really the goal of this podcast is that you would think 
um, just think through your beliefs and really just think through what you've been taught um, and really just develop relationship with the Lord so that you, because, you know, he promises that the Holy Spirit would teach you all things. Um, he, the Holy Spirit longs to teach you, to commune with you. And I think, um, you know, we've all fallen into this trap where we, you know, we kind of get ideas in our theology from the interpretation of other people, maybe maybe scholars or, you know, different pastors that we admire. Um, and we just kind of read their books and we just, we, we kind of rely on them almost as our, as our main teacher. And, and we get a lot of these jumbled theologies <clears throat> just from, from other men's interpretations. And I think the key is, is, is it's, a, it's, it's okay to, to get things from men and, um, you know, the Holy Spirit will obviously speak through people and that's amazing, but the, the main focus needs to be on receiving from the Holy Spirit, um, developing relationship. So I would, I would just encourage you to read through these scriptures before you really go and just seek out maybe like a book on it or whatever. Um, just read through the scriptures yeah. for yourself and, and just really ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you and to show you truth. Because at the end of the day, it's important that you have a faith grounded in your own relationship and understanding um, of the scriptures and not really just, you know, uh, mimicking or taking on someone else's uh, understanding or view or relationship with God. So, yeah. Absolutely. Can I, can I just pray that just to close this panel? Yeah, of course, yeah. Awesome. All right, well, Jesus, I thank you just so much for, for your word and... Um, for scripture where we can learn from and I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you didn't just leave us um, to go back to the Father but you prepared for us an advocate a helper and a friend and um, so I just thank you that there are people listening today that are going to um, say yes to a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit and there are people listening um, right now that are going to start a relationship with the Holy Spirit and so we just um, invite you um, to do to do two years of being Holy Spirit to um, embrace us where we're at and to teach us all things concerning Jesus. And I thank you that, um, Jesus, what you did on the cross was so much more um, than just get us to heaven with you one day, but that you defeated sin once and for all. And so I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that across the world, widespread, there will be a revelation of who we are in. Um, may we come to know ourselves as sons of God, as you knew yourself, Jesus, as the Son of God. Um, may we have this revelation because Romans 8 says that the earth is groaning for the manifestation of sons of God. And so I just pray that um, we will just come to know who we truly are and that that will be our, our heartbeat, um, would be grounded in that, that we will be rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ. Um, we thank you, Jesus, for your finished work and your removal pray. Amen. That's so good. Well, thank you guys for joining us today, and we just love you, and we, we just pray that you would have a, a blessed week. Uh, until next time.